Joe Mays and Jay Raff Show, giving you weekly sports analysis, opinions, and discussion. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Jay Raff. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the 203rd episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, but alongside me this week is not Mr. Justin Raffoff, who is probably somewhere we'd rather be right now. Uh, But sitting with me this week, who's been on the show multiple times before and joining me once again, is my dad, Bill. Hey, howdy, everybody, and uh, of course, Justin's off again like usual. Yeah, I... You know, I don't think we should pay him as much as as we do. No, he's definitely overpaid. Yeah. Uh, so Justin's away. He's actually chaperoning a trip for uh for his day job, and uh, we we wish him safe travels home and today or tomorrow, whenever that may be. And he will be joining us again uh, on our next show, episode two hundred four, which will be in two weeks. We won't have a show next week uh, for the Easter holiday, so we'll be off to uh, hang out with our family and friends. But we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, doing our baseball preview because that's right around the corner and I know we have questions to answer from our um, listener uh, Rich in Massachusetts. Uh, hopefully uh, we can address those probably in an, an email or something for him prior to that because his draft's got to be coming up soon if it hasn't already happened already. I hope we didn't miss it. We'd love to give our input on uh, what he should do with his team so that we can force him to tank. Uh, I mean, no, we, we want him to do well. So uh, we'll help him out in the best way that we can. Um, cause, and we don't want to ignore any of the questions that were sent into us for the listener special or as fan emails over the last few weeks. Uh, but this episode, we're going to dedicate to the sport that my dad and I love the most, which is football. And we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL free agency happenings in over the last, uh, 10 days, two weeks, and uh, then talk a little bit about the 2016 season already. Uh, this might be the last bit of NFL talk, um, for about a, a month or so, because then we'll talk the draft for a show or two. And then um, we probably won't talk football until we start our previews. But thankfully, because of this being a weekly show and the summer's a busy time because of you know vacations and other things going on, we'll generally start our division-by-division breakdown in the middle of end of June. So NFL is right around the corner, thankfully. Yes, thank goodness. Even though it's only March and the real games won't kick, kick off for close to six months. Uh, you know, NFL doesn't stop and it doesn't stop on this show. So Justin and I will be addressing it in, in the coming months. But today, my dad and I will tackle uh, the start of NFL free agency and then talk a little bit about uh, what each team has done or to improve themselves and even look at the show or excuse me, the uh, the season as a whole that, like I said, six months away. But it's uh, it's going to be here before you know it, thankfully, because when football's around, everyone's happy. So, uh, if you want to contact us, there's ways you can do that. Uh, best way is through email, jomaysandjraff at gmail.com. We do have the May Sandwich Shop hotline, which is 530-563-6297. Again, 530-563-6297. And like I mentioned, the Joe Mays and JRAF show um, email inbox, courtesy of May Sandwich Shop, is jomaysandjraff at gmail.com. And like most uh, podcasts out there, we're also on Facebook and Twitter. So you can find us, uh, just search Joe Mays and JRAF uh, on either of those social networking sites and you'll find us there. But NFL Talk, that's where we are. That's what we're going to be doing. And uh, let's start 
with some of the big moves, just address that. Or maybe before we dive into the NFL talk, let's let's talk a little bit about our bracket challenge. I forgot. You know, March Madness started. <laughs> I'll get to that. March Madness started on Thursday um, with the the f- official first round. You know, the, the playing game started on Tuesday, but the uh, the rounds that everyone is interested in started on Thursday and uh, concluded on Friday. Then the second round, the games to decide who's going to the Sweet 16 started yesterday and will conclude today, the round of 32. Um, And as of this moment right now, um, with the conclusion of some of the games that are sending teams to the Sweet 16, the number one bracket in our 2016 tournament tournament challenge actually belongs to my three-year-old daughter, uh, Natalie, who I, I told her the games and she told me who she wanted. And, um, you know, most of the time she was picking the second team I said, which usually was the quote unquote better team. Um, just, you know, that the lower numbered seed, because I'd give her the, the higher number seed, the, the supposedly worst team. And then the, the lower seed, the better team. And she'd always pick the second team almost every time. But sometimes there's something that came to her that said, I want that first team. And more often than not, when she took that upset, she was right. Point in case. Little Rock over Purdue. She nailed that one. There are a bunch of the eight nines, which I know aren't really an upset, but she ended up taking the nine, even though that was the first team I said. She'd take the nine, and, and I think, did all the nine seed wins? Maybe one eight seed won? I think Cincinnati, um, St. Joe's was the only one where the eight seed won. Wasn't St. Joe's an eight? St. Joe's was late. Uh, Purdue was a five. Wasn't that a five? Yeah, yeah it's a, I mean, a five twelve. So um, I I don't know about her long term viability because she does have a seven seed winning it all winning over a five seed. Uh, now we talked both last week. Yes, they are both big ten, but she has no idea about any of that. So um, it Wisconsin over Maryland in the state championship game in early April, but she. I mean, I don't think people would fault maybe having Maryland sneak in there because, like we said on the show last week, we thought Maryland was underseeded. We could have seen them, you know, from a two to a four, uh, depending on who was picking. Uh, we thought a five was not a great seed for them. So, um, hey, anything can happen. But I don't see Wisconsin coming out on top in all this. But a few years back, you know, uh, Kemba Walker and UConn were a seven seed and they won it all. So and you never say never. But Natalie is currently in first place in our bracket challenge. And then tied for second, our next three spots are Trevor Vaughn, Kristen Mays, and me, who over the last 36 hours, Natalie and I have been going back and forth because we had a lot of the games opposite of one another, uh, a lot of the big ones. And I'd come out on top in one of them, and the next one she would. So we've been going back and forth, but now I drop back uh, in a tie for second with Trevor and Kristen. and we're 10 points behind Natalie, but the games in this round now I think are worth 20. So we'll keep bouncing back and forth um, over one over one another uh, with each conclusion of each game. Um, rounding out then the top five is Jamie Raffoff, Tom Sabatelli, and Tori Mays. The unfortunate thing for Tori, though, is she picked Michigan State to win, and we know that that can't happen. So... Um, Let's focus on that a little bit before we do the NFL talk. You know, we're we're a round and a half through. We're we're almost done with two rounds now. By the end of the night tonight, is the Michigan State loss is that the biggest one to note so far? 
Probably, and that's, I took Michigan State all the way through, too. My favorite thing about that is because, you know, I like to see you lose when we're competing, <laughs> and uh, you're not going to beat me. No. Especially if Kansas wins, because that's who I have. Yeah, but I, I, I ended up changing from Kansas. Well, that was exactly what I was going to point out, because I actually texted Justin, because he said that that ruined his bracket, too, Michigan State going down a uh, 215 matchup. That's just uh, it's hard to fathom. It doesn't happen that often. I think it's only like like the ninth or tenth time in turn, tournament history that a 15 has beaten a 2. And the crazy thing is Michigan State was favored by Vegas. To, to win it all, and Mich- and when they lost, Vegas made a ton of money with Michigan State losing. But I, Justin texted me, bracket busted, and I said to him, I said, the best part about this is literally 20 minutes before tip-off, my dad had me change his winner from Kansas to Michigan State. And literally the first, or was it the second day? Did they play the second day? Did they play Friday? They were, they were, yeah, they were second day. They were the second day of the tournament. I mean, and it's not just you, because a lot of people at Michigan State winning. Already done. Like, you're already done. <laughs> you like to at least get through to the Sweet 16, preferably the Elite 8, before your champ goes out. But the first, well, the second day, but the first round to have Michigan State go down. Yeah, I had a couple Elite 8 already gone. Not just Michigan State, so Purdue. The Purdue one hurt me. I did have Purdue. Um, you know, I don't know if it's just because I lived out there for two years, or it's a Big Ten bias. I like to see Big Ten teams do well, but two Big Ten teams fell in the first round uh, in humiliating fashion. Although Indiana did beat Kentucky, which is good for the Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin still playing. Maryland still alive. So, but wow, Michigan State—that was a shocker. Yeah. It was- Kicking the pants. Yeah, for for certain. So um, congratulations to everyone that's doing well so far in the tournament channel, but there's a lot of games to play and a lot of points left out there, and they just get more important at the days wear on. And uh, some of these people have a, a lot of points left. Um, like I said, we've got about seven people in, in tied for the top five, and I think I have, other than Tori, who had Michigan State, I have the least amount of points left. Of all those people. And uh, Trevor Vaughn actually has, I think, the most. With over 1,300 points remaining, 1,360, he can do he can do well. You're down there tied for 12th. I know. Um, with your daughter and Mr. Filer. Uh, not Adam, actually. Adam's dad. Uh, and then way down here, I don't know who's in last place. Um, it doesn't have a name attached to it. Um, but they have enough points remaining that this will completely change. Uh, but way, way down here in 30th, that's where Mr. Justin Raffoff is. So, <laughs> well, at least I'm um, him. Yeah, he does have Kansas, though, so it's not a huge deal. He can still make up some ground. Um, but the, the so-called expert, our basketball analyst Adam Filer, is tw- tied for 21st, but he had Michigan State winning. Oh. <laughs> I don't think he's going to finish in the top 10 this year. So... We'll see what happens with that. But we thank everyone that entered. I think we ended up with 37 brackets. So we're happy. We wanted to get to 40, but I'll take high 30. So thank you, everyone, uh, for joining in and uh, competing. And hopefully we can have some kind of fun uh, winner that will want to come on the show, talk some sports, and we'll make sure that they get a shirt. I have a question. Sure. If Natalie wins, are you going to be talking about Care Bears or uh, – I, I, I think, I think, I think that'll be a different type of show. I think she'll be on very briefly. 
because I don't think she'll be able to handle it for 45 minutes or so. I don't know what we'll talk about in the sports world. Uh, just might be to get her on here to say a few things. So I, I, I don't feel as though it's going to happen because Wisconsin winning it all, I feel like, is very remote. Very sh- long shot. But, but no, hey, she stuck her neck out there. and uh, Who expected Nishi to say to lose? Well, so. she, she did say to me as we were finishing the first set of picks, which is the longest set. You know, you're picking 32 games, and that's a lot for a three-year-old. I got towards the end, and she was just like, Dad, are we done yet? Are we done yet? I'm like, no, you got to keep going. We got to finish this. So, but I did not, you know, say anything about him other than when she picked an upset that I was like, oh, do you really want to do that? I'd re- I'd say it again. And she always stuck to her guns. And that's how she picked Little Rock over Purdue. Because that was one I was like, all right, let's switch this around and see what she does. She still picked Little Rock. So good for her. Not because of rocks. <laughs> yeah, possibly. She does like, she does like collecting rocks, so. All right, so NFL free agency, the the league year officially kicked off um, almost two weeks ago. I think it was um, March 9th, maybe. So right around then is when the 2016 league year officially became um, open for, for business where you can sign free agents, you can officially trade players. Um, you could do all kind of releases before then, which uh, some teams took advantage of, uh, but most of the big happenings occurred that Wednesday, um, March 9th. And uh, there's a lot to cover in some pretty significant moves that have happened. And uh, we'll just start here. Uh, where it's, Okay, some of them, the more significant ones include the franchise tag, which teams are able to use to keep a player that's set to be a free agent. Um, they get tendered at an average salary, I think, of the top five paid at their position. A lot of times, those what position the player plays comes into question, and it's contested. A lot of this happens with a defensive end and linebackers because of the different defensive schemes. You know, the player will say they want to be tendered at the more expensive amount, and the team wants to tender at the lower amount. Uh, also true for wide receivers, tight ends. If the tight end doesn't line up on the line that often, if he's always split wide, is he isn't he more of a receiver? So that's where you get the you know the agents and the players association and the teams going at it. I haven't heard too much talk about it this year, uh, but there were some players. Uh, I think, let's see, I count seven, eight, nine. Looks like nine players um, have been franchised. And a few of them have signed their tender already. Probably the biggest is Von Miller from Denver, who is set to be a free agent this year. He is the reigning Super Bowl MVP for his performance uh, for the Broncos versus the Panthers in Super Bowl 50. He was tendered at the linebacker position. He's is one of those hybrid-type guys that could play defensive end, but he's been standing up, running around, causing havoc on the field. He's tended at the linebacker salary. He's already signed that, so he's set on a one-year deal with the Broncos. That was something that Denver had to do with all the other upheaval that we'll talk about. Getting Von Miller back in the fold was definitely the important. possibly the most important of any of the teams in the NFL was for Denver to keep Von Miller, and they were able to do that. Other franchise players include Muhammad Wilkerson, the defensive lineman for the Jets. He has not yet signed that tender, so he cannot negotiate with anyone else. He can sign that, or they can work out a long-term deal. Uh, Eric Berry, who's the comeback player of the year, he overcame cancer. He was uh, diagnosed with cancer, fought cancer, came back, able to play most of this season uh, at, at a high level. He was franchised by the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, the wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, was franchised and also signed that. Same goes for Tremaine Johnson, the cornerback from the Rams. The Rams had an interesting conundrum going into this offseason because two of their cornerbacks, their two biggest starting cornerbacks, both blossomed over the last couple of seasons entering uh, free agency this year. They couldn't keep both of them. So they, the Rams decided, the Los Angeles Rams decided that Tremaine Johnson was who they thought they could keep. They tendered him uh, at the franchise level for a cornerback. He signed, but then they lost Janoris Jenkins to the Giants. And then the last couple franchise guys, Josh Norman, the uh, big mouth cornerback from Carolina, who we saw get into a fight with Odo Beckham earlier this year. Um, you know, he he he's got a little a lot of swagger to him, but he was a very very humble guy in the Super Bowl after the loss. He was one of the first guys to congratulate Peyton Manning on a game and career well played. And uh, the Baltimore Ravens, who are uh, in an extremely somber state after with a young cornerback Trey Walker. Um, tragically passed away after a uh, dirt bike accident in Florida. Um, just a terrible thing to happen to a young man like that. Um, so our thoughts are with the Ravens and Trey Walker's friends and family. But the Ravens franchise kicker, Justin Tucker. So they'll be keeping him in Baltimore for the year. And then the last two are Kirk Cousins, the quarterback for the Redskins, who really came into his own this year. A lot of people thought it was crazy in 2012 when they took Robert Griffin at the top of the draft and then Kirk Cousins in the third round. We saw Griffin have an incredible first year for the Redskins, and he fell off. Kirk Cousins was inconsistent, and a lot of people thought that the Washington Redskins didn't have any quarterbacks. Well, this year, he guided the Redskins to a division title, and they feel that he is the quarterback of the future, so Griffin was not retained. And Kirk Cousins was franchised. He already signed that tender. He is the quarterback for the Redskins for this year. They'll try to work out a long-term deal. And then last was Buffalo Bills signed offensive tackle Cordy Glenn. They franchised him, and he signed that. So, uh, you know, I think, what did I say, about nine franchise tags and close to half, if not more, signed their franchise tender. So those are some of the bigger-name players that players – um, had the ability to leave, teams said no, and some of them agreed, and they'll get played. Like I said, they're going to get paid quite handsomely because they get the average of the top five players at their position, the biggest contracts. That will be their salary for the 2016 season unless they sign a long-term deal. All right, now, free agency is seen by the good teams as a way to supplement the players that are already there, build on a strong team. Then there are other franchises that decide they want to go out and hit a home run. They're almost playing it up for more of the the media impact of hearing those big names and having your team throw around that kind of money. And they want the fan base to see that they're trying to win, even if it's not the best way to win. Unfortunately, my team seems to always fall into that trap. Um, but we'll get to them in a bit. But some of the bigger name players... Uh, that were signed this offseason to different teams. Uh, let's see, what was probably the biggest one? The one that got a lot of play was Malik Jackson, probably because of his play in Super Bowl 50 for the Broncos. He's moving from uh, the defensive line in Denver to Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a ton of money to throw around, and they were able to land some key guys. One of them, one of the biggest was Malik Jackson. Um, the versatile defensive lineman that actually, I believe, forced the Cam Newton fumble that 
led to that one of the first touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So that was one of the bigger deals. Jackson going from Denver to Jacksonville. Jacksonville also landed. I know there was. I'll have to come back to Jacksonville. I can't remember who the other guy was. Uh, but I did mention Janoris Jenkins already, the Los Angeles Rams cornerback who will never get to play in L.A. He played for four years in St. Louis, but he'll be moving on to the New York Giants. The, the Giants are an interesting team. They kind of they kind of force head coach Tom Coughlin out. Like He said that he resigned or resigned. I think he just resigned. I, I think they were calling a retirement, but we saw him interview with the Eagles, uh, and he wanted to stay in football. And it, it seems that the Giants really wanted him to go. They didn't haven't done too much over the years. They haven't drafted well. Their free agency signings haven't been um, that big. He leaves. They they promote their they promote their offensive coordinator and pretty much keep their entire staff. And now they start making splashy moves like signing Janoris Jenkins um, to be their number one corner. So it's an interesting atmosphere surrounding one of the teams that your team, the Cowboys, has to play twice a year. Yes, I know. The other guy you were talking about, uh, I think he just passed that went to Jacksonville. Well, I saw, yeah, the punter Brad Nortman from Carolina to Jacksonville. He was not the one that I was thinking of, so I'll have to figure out what guy I was trying to. There was a couple of reports of players signing in Jacksonville that didn't come to fruition. One of them was actually Olivier Vernon, the Dolphins defensive end, who had originally been transition tagged by the Dolphins, but that was pulled uh, because he wanted – he would have been – they would have forced to pay him more than they wanted to. So they pulled that after they made a free agency deal with Mario Williams, who had been with the Buffalo Bills for a number of years, former number one overall pick of the Texans back in, I think, 2011. Uh, might have been even earlier than that. But Vernon actually went to the Giants. So the Giants signed Janoris Jenkins and Olivier Vernon to upgrade their defense. And uh, some of the other... I think the one that really shocks me is what the Texans did. Um, right. With taking uh, you know, Manning... Retired, right? And uh, now Denver's really has lost a couple players that uh, they got some holes to fill. Yeah, well, you know, let's sure let's let's talk a little bit more. Denver talking about Malik Jackson already leaving. Peyton Manning retired. Then they had uh, other free agents like Danny Trevathan, the linebacker. He left Denver. I believe he signed with Atlanta. So you know, it's a. Let's pull up the Denver page here. So Malik Jackson, gone in Jacksonville. Danny Trevathan, linebacker, gone in Chicago. David Bruton Jr., the safety, gone in Washington. Evan Mathis, the guard, to Arizona. Ryan Harris, the tackle, to Pittsburgh. And they are ready to get rid of Ryan Clady if they haven't already. C.J. Anderson was actually tendered by the Dolphins, but... 
Denver decided to match that, so they will keep their running back. Uh, their other running back, Ronnie Hillman, continues to be a free agent. Now, they did bring in former Seahawks offensive tackle Russell Okung to take over for Ryan Harris or Ryan Clady at tackle. But Tyler Columbus, uh, a swing offensive lineman, is still a free agent for them. They cut their tight end, Owen Daniels. Then the biggest one that you just started to mention was, all right, they lost Peyton Manning to retirement. We kind of could see that coming. Right. But – Instead of working out a deal with his understudy and the guy who played decently when Manning was struggling Absolutely. and injured, Brock Osweiler, they couldn't ever come to a court on a contract, and he bolted for Houston. So now, I think it was a four-year, yeah, and pretty big money for only so many starts. He kind of did, and this was actually an acknowledged by the guy who they're the name they're throwing around, Matt Flynn, a few years ago when Rodgers got injured and missed like six or eight weeks. Matt Flynn played really well for the the Green Bay Packers, and he made a huge contract with the Seahawks. He never got to start there because they drafted Russell Wilson. He was then released and went to Oakland. Didn't stay there in Oakland. He's back in Green Bay. And he said that Brock Oxwaller is doing a great Matt Flynn impression. <laughs> and uh, he got a huge co- contract from the Texans. Now, we saw enough from him in Denver. I don't know to warrant that kind of money, but when you need a quarterback like the Texans did, you got to take that risk. And if, it, if this was agreed upon by Bill O'Brien, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because we saw what O'Brien could do with quarterbacks, what he was able to do with Tom Brady and then offense in New England, and then also his time in at Penn State, what he did with Matt McGloin, who's now a legitimate backup quarterback in the NFL. He's a spot starter for the Raiders. Now that they have uh, Derek Carr, David Carr's younger brother, who's going to be entering his third year for the Raiders and is unquestionably the starter. All the other guys that they've drafted over the years are brought in as free agents. They got rid of him and they tendered Matt McGloin at an exclusive level that guarantees him over a million dollars for being their backup. Because they didn't want anyone to take him because they value him that much. This was a guy that was a walk-on at Penn State from Scranton and was embattled with Rob Bolden for a number of years to be the starting quarterback. Bill O'Brien comes in, and he has one of the best years that a Penn State quarterback has ever had. Yeah. He goes undrafted, latches on with the Raiders, and here he is now signing a million-dollar con- contract as a backup. Not too bad to sit in the bench. No, not too bad. <laughs> So if Bill O'Brien saw something in Osweiler and this wasn't just the ownership saying, get me a quarterback, and they're throwing out big money just to satisfy fans, which we kind of talked about at the beginning a little bit, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because I think Bill O'Brien has earned it. Now that he's going to need to produce this year. They did well this year with, you know, what were they throwing out there? Not a lot, a quarterback. They were rotating in, what, they played three different guys this year, four different guys. You know, Brian Hoyer being one of them, Ryan Mallett for a little bit, and then he got shown the door. So... Looks like they found their guy. I mean, it's, I'm a little disappointed because I was hoping Christian Hackenberg could find his way down there because his first year with O'Brien was his best year at Penn State, in, statistically. You know, they couldn't do anything with the bowl game, but his two years with James Franklin, he wasn't the same guy. Different system, different responsibilities. But I just would have loved to see Hackenberg end right. up with O'Brien and see what he could do in a couple of seasons. Right, with a couple of seasons. It would have been very interesting. So Osweiler gone to Houston, um, Denver. Like I mentioned, they he, they brought in Okung. They kept Vaughn Miller and C.J. Anderson. 
Um, and they added Donald Stevenson to take over for um, Ryan Harris, Seven Math Mathis. You know, all they lost a huge amount of offensive line, so it's nice to keep the running back. But you have a new quarterback who they traded for Mark Sanchez. That's their only quarterback really right now. Oh and you know how much I don't like Sanchez as a quarterback. He's just not not my guy. Like every t- when he went to the Jets, I was like, that's a terrible move. The fifth pick, he's not even worthy of first round pick. He had great first year with Rex at the Jets, and what did he do after that? Nothing. He goes to Philly. Whenever you're the backup quarterback in a market like Philadelphia, you're the most popular guy, you know. And he, everyone wants him to play over Foles. He comes in. What does he do? Nothing. Last year, Bradford. He Sanchez comes in. What's he do? Not too much. Now he's the savior in Denver, I guess, because they don't have much else. So it'll be interesting to see what else Denver pairs with Sanchez because they're not going to go into the season just no, with Sanchez. Sanchez. Um, Philadelphia so, fans were glad to see him go. Yeah, I mean, that. Oh, yeah, we could do a whole show talking about how fickle the Eagles fans are because it's the biggest sport in Philadelphia, but it's also the one that takes the most heat by far. You know, and we're Phillies and Flyers fans, and we know how hot fans can get on those teams, but nothing compares to Football. Eagles fandom. All right, well, let's let's talk about the team that also went to the Texans because we talked about how they're doing pretty good this offseason. Uh, they made significant upgrades along the offensive line when they signed Jeff Allen, a young, young player from Kansas City. They also added, besides Brock Osweiler, added Lamar Miller, the Dolphins running back, who never quite got it going in Miami, but he's still real young. And, and because of his limited touches, there's no uh, no um, there's, there's still a lot of tread left on his tires. We know that they jettisoned Arian Foster after his injuries the last few seasons. He hasn't been able to do too much. Uh, they also brought in another offensive lineman in Tony Bergstrom. And I think that's about it. But the biggest one was Jeff Allen, Lamar Miller, and Brock Osweiler. Um, and they also added Antonio Allen, a, a safety and think that's about it they only lost a couple of players none of them that debilitating and obviously they still have jj watt who is just a monster on defense uh, and once again was a defensive player of the year and doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon so on paper it looks like the texans have definitely upgraded they were a playoff team last year maybe a bit of a surprise because how much the colts struggled uh, they were able to get into the playoffs as the south division champs you know and Osweiler's better than anyone that they had last year. He's better than Brian Hoyer, better than Ryan Mallett, better than anyone that they had play. If they can get that same kind of performance from their defense and the offense comes together under Osweiler, you're probably seeing looking at a playoff team as well. Unless the Colts do a complete 180 and become the team people thought they would, last year. the Texans, you would think, would be poised to, uh, to attempt maybe to get a playoff victory finally. All right, well, let's go to the team that we just kind of uh, dissed on a little bit and that local team here that neither of us like in the Philadelphia Eagles. The biggest move for them was re-signing Sam Bradford. They have now stability at quarterback for at least this season. Uh, They jettisoned Mark Sanchez. And we've actually seen pretty much every move that Chip Kelly did last year has completely negated by Howie Roseman now. So they have, obviously, the new... Court, or excuse me, the new coach is Doug Peterson, former Eagles quarterback. Um, who knows if you can say all these moves are approved by him, but Harry Roseman's doing them, and they're going back to the way things were two years ago. Chip Kelly's now in San Francisco, but Sam Bradford is back. He is the quarterback um, of the near future, whether or not... Is he? 
with the guy they got from Kansas City? <laughs> Wait, you really think Chase Daniel? Now, they've gone on the record to say this is not an open quarterback competition. Sam Bradford's the guy. But they did give a lot of money and incentives to Chase Daniel. You know, three years, $36 million is a lot for a backup quarterback. Yeah, it is. Now, a lot of those, like I said, have to be reached through incentives. But, I don't know, some people do think that Chase Daniel, who Tug Peterson had in Kansas City, could be the guy to push Sam Bradford. And there's nothing wrong with that. If he can push well, him, the team's going to be better for it. Any competition makes somebody else If he's better, better, next year one of the guys will be gone. Um, they, they needed some offensive line help. They stole Brandon, Books from, Brandon Brooks from the Texans. They also were able to add a couple of defensive pieces, two from the Bills, um, who jettisoned Leotis McKelvin, and they didn't re-sign Ron Brooks. Both of them now wearing the Eagles' midnight green, as is Rodney McLeod, who I do like that pairing with Malcolm Jenkins at safety. I think that's a strong move. The Eagles also added two wide receivers in Chris Givens and Shontavious Jones. I don't know how much of an impact they'll make, but those are some of the moves that they made. Um, in addition to re-signing some of their own, their own, besides Sam Bradford, they brought back cornerback Nolan Carroll. And oh, they also dipped into the Buffalo free agency pool when they signed linebacker Nigel Bradham. The reason they needed a linebacker is because they jettisoned Kiko Alonso, who Chip Kelly had brought in just a year prior in a trade with the Bills that involved LaShawn McCoy. Now Howie Roseman sends Kiko Alonso to the Dolphins along with cornerback uh, Byron Maxwell just for a swap of first-round picks. So the Eagles gave up two defensive starters. Well, Alonzo should have been a starter if he wasn't injured so much. Maxwell, who people dissed on a lot and continue to diss on, and he got burned by Julio Jones by the Falcons, who's one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the league. I don't think he played all that terribly the rest of the season. Eagles fans seem to disagree, but... Miami and the Eagles, for those two players, all the Dolphins gave up was five spots in the first round. They moved from the eighth pick to the 13th pick. So you're happy with that trade? I'm okay with it because I don't know if there was going to be anyone at eight that Miami really wanted that won't be there at 13. And then you got two guys in that should be starters based on what they're being paid. Now, there might have been some contract restructuring, but they're still making millions. It's not like they're taking the veteran minimum or something like that. But the Dolphins needed linebacker help. And they needed defensive back help because they got rid of Brent Grimes and they haven't had a great secondary for a long time. But adding Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso, I think, was a, a good move for the Dolphins, despite what Eagles fans will have you think about them. Just a few years ago, Kiko Alonso was the defensive rookie of the year. So if he can stay healthy, and I know it's a big if, I don't think that's a bad move for Miami. And the Eagles just got rid of a lot of money and some players that maybe didn't fit both in the locker room or in their defensive scheme. Um, not too much else of note for the Eagles. Um, the biggest moves, re-signing Bradford, adding, adding Rodney McLeod, and maybe bringing Chase Daniels to, to push Bradford. So let's check in with your team, the Cowboys. Not too much going on. Uh, a couple guys that remain free agents. Um, they did lose a backup offensive lineman. They also lost a running back in Robert Turbin. Matt Castle, backup quarterback, gone to Tennessee. Um, they've done a lot of reciting of their own guys. Morris Claiborne's back. Kyle Wilber's back. Josh Thomas and James Hanna return. Uh, Rolando McClain back again, as is Charles Brown and Lance Dunbar. 
Um, you'll notice Greg Hardy, who is also often criticized for his off-the-field stuff in Carolina, had an up-and-down year in Dallas, may not be a perfect fit. He's still out there. Doesn't look like Dallas is bringing him back. Uh, the only actual move that the Cowboys have made is actually signing a former Eagles defensive lineman in Cedric Thornton, and that's just you know a depth and rotational guy. I mean, I think it's a solid move. Cedric Thornton's not flashy, but it's something that the Cowboys um, always can use. You can always have uh, – you never have too many defensive linemen in the NFL. And uh, quiet again, and that's probably a good thing because you don't want to be flashy. You don't want to be throwing that money around. If Tony Romo can come back and be healthy, I don't see why in such an inconsistent and – possibly crappy NFC East, why the Cowboys couldn't go from worst to first. What do you think as far as with Castle going, what do you think of, you think they're going to take a uh, quarterback as their first pick? With their first pick, I guess that would be, I think they're picking fourth. <sighs> Boy. I mean, how is the crop of quarterbacks? It, it's supposed to be a decent, decent uh, crop this well, where year. Do you th- where do you feel the Cowboys are in the most need? Oh boy. I think see it's it's tough for me to say what where does Dallas want to go after Tony Romo? Do they want to remain a pocket type of quarterback that has some moves? Do they want to maybe become more modern, which I don't necessarily agree with, but they want to have a guy that's a little bit more flashy? Do they take a chance and bring in Manzel? As a backup, who was jettisoned by the Browns and can't stop partying, just, just signed Drew Rosenhouse as his new agent too. You know, is that a chance they want to take? He, you're, wherever he ends up, he's going to be on a short leash. Short leash. Could it be in Dallas? You know, I didn't think Dallas was really interested. Well, they supposedly weren't interested in him a few years ago in drafting him in the first round, but you know, bargain, if though. he's a bargain and he's not the starter either, and we know how. Uh, Jerry Jones is about he doesn't care what people think. Well, that's yeah, that's true. So, um, could they bring in someone like that? Uh, Tony Romo is so injured, is so often injured, and is in his mid thirties. They got to start thinking of the future. Somebody, yeah. So, is there a chance that the number one rated quarterback, North Dakota State's Carson Wentz, who reminds people of Andrew Luck, could if he's there at four, do the Cowboys pull the trigger? You you got to think that the Titans aren't taking him at one. They just no. took Marcus Mariota. The Browns are at two, and they have no one as usual. Is Wentz the next starting quarterback of the Browns? The Chargers at three. Phillip Rivers, what's happening there? Do they start to groom Rivers' replacement? I think if he gets past the Browns, he could be sitting there for Dallas. And if Wentz is sitting there for Dallas, I think you should take him. It doesn't help your team immediately but it sets you up for the future. Now, other people might say, well, Dallas, you know, Dallas is in win win now mode. They have players that they uh that they could use to win win right now. But, you know, is it is it worth it for short-term gain then to all of a sudden Roma retires and you have no one? I th- uh, what what would you do? Do you think I, they should take I, a quarterback? I I don't know what to think. I really don't. 
there's not really much out there as far as free agents. Um, that uh, and Dallas falls into the problems of salary cap too. So um, they're not like the Eagles; they always have a ton of money they could spend, but they don't spend it. I I think there's a good chance that they could take a quarterback at four. But if Wentz is gone, I don't know if they, they go for Jared Goff from Cal. I think they're also in the need for a a pass rusher. Uh, you know, we said they signed Cedric Thornton, but he's not exactly someone that's going to light up the stat sheet. Um, you know, it's it's tough to uh, it's tough to pinpoint right now what Dallas will do at four. But I feel the Browns are going to take Wentz. I don't know who the Titans are going to take. So the Cowboys probably looking at someone like Joey Bosa, DeForest Buckner. They're not going to go offensive line because they've got a great offensive line. I, I highly doubt they're going running back. I, I mean, I guess they could go with a cornerback uh, in uh, Ramsey or Hargreaves. But I think it's a tough sell to go over someone like that when they didn't have a lot of luck with Morris Claiborne despite them resigning him. Um, if Wentz isn't there, I think they're going to go defense. I think they're going to go line. Uh, Bosa or Buckner would be the two that I would pinpoint for them. If Wentz is there, though, I would take him. So that that's what I think about uh, for the Cowboys. So let's let's talk about my team now. It was really been a story more of who they lost than who they gained. The Dolphins lost, as I already mentioned, Olivier Vernon, the defensive end, went to the Giants. Lamar Miller, the running back, went to Houston. They also lost another defensive end in Derek Shelby, who went to Atlanta. They cut Brent Grimes, who then signed with Tampa Bay. They got rid of Quentin Coples, went to St. Louis. They also lost their uh, wide receiver breakthrough, Rashard Matthews. He signed in Tennessee. Now, they brought in Sam Young along the offensive line. That's not turning too many heads. They also brought in Andre Branch. Again, you know, okay. Mario Williams was the biggest. He was cut by the Bills. He was brought in to replace Olivier Vernon. They're banking on Williams just having a down year in Rex Ryan's system. You know, he's just a year removed from, I think, having like 15 sacks. And uh, he seemed disinterested with uh, Rex Ryan and the Bills last season. Can he go back to his form that he played at at Houston or the beginning of his Bills career. That's the the um, biggest question mark. They need him, and if Cameron Wake recovers from his torn Achilles, Williams Wake next to um, Endomic and Sue could be a very dangerous defensive line. Now, if it was five years ago, I would definitely say that was a crazy dangerous line, but Wake is injured and older, Mario Williams is older, and Indomitian and Sue, he's still young and great, but you know, five years ago, he would have been at the beginning stage of his career. So five years ago, that defensive line would have been terrorizing for opponents. Um, now, I don't know, it's kind of wait and see. Dolphins haven't done much else. They brought in a reserve safety. They brought in another, another offensive lineman, Jermon Bushrod from Chicago. And uh, that's about it for Miami. They seem to be waiting for the draft. And we, we talked about the trade with the Eagles. Excuse me. They also brought in Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso. Where do you feel your Dolphins are in most need? In most need? Their biggest need? Well, I mean, Wide receiver? No, I don't think they need wide. They, they, De- Devontae Parker was brought in last year. 
They still have Kenny Stills. He's young. Um, they got rid of Greg Jennings, but he didn't do that much this past season. Um, they're fine at tight end. Jordan Cameron was um, renegotiated and, and changed his deal, so he's back. They're obviously sticking with Ryan Tannehill, quarterback. They need a running back. I don't want them to pick one at 13, though, because you can get a lot of talented running backs later in the draft. And this is supposed to be a um, a, a pretty top-heavy group of running backs that should last into the second and third round. So I think Miami will pick a running back, but I don't think it'll be in the first. But they do need one. Um, I feel like they're always looking for offensive line help. That could be uh, an option. I don't know if they'll go offensive tackle because they have Brandon Elbert at left tackle. They have Juwan James at right tackle, who's eventually supposed to be the left tackle. They still have Mike Pouncey. And do you, you don't take a guard at 13. So it's probably not going to be offensive line in this unless they find a future tackle that they can play inside a guard for the first few years. I definitely think secondary, even with adding Byron Maxwell, they don't have much else. They got rid of Brent Grimes. They have one good safety, but that's about it. So someone like Jalen Ramsey, Vernon Hargreaves, um, those are two of the names I would definitely watch for Miami. I I don't think it'll be a wide receiver. The other one... And the one that I really like is Miles Jack, the outside linebacker from UCLA. He only played a few games this year and then had a knee injury. It wasn't an ACL tear, um, but he wasn't medically cleared properly at the combine. He's supposed to be ready to go at his pro day whenever that ends up being, probably in April for UCLA. I would love to see them pair him with Kiko Alonso and um, Jelani Jenkins, and they also um, re-signed Koa Misi. Um, they could find a nice group of linebackers with those four rotating in and out. Uh, I'm, I'm high on Miles Jack, but one of the cornerbacks, um, if Ramsey or Hargreaves is available at 13, I could definitely see that happening. Um, I think it's going to be defense. I don't know that other than offensive line and running back upgrades, which, like I said, I think is second, third round territory. I think that Miami's first pick is going to be on the defensive side of the what, ball. What number pick are you? 13. We were eight, trade flip-flopped with the, the Eagles with the for Eagles. those two guys. So Miami drops out of the ten, top 10, but they only land at 13. So I, I, I'm, I'm not upset with that deal whatsoever. All right, and I think because of the listener base of this show, we probably should address a team that I think, while they're not throwing around a ton of money because they never do, they may be winning the offseason once again because their bargain bin trades, free agent signings are stuff that always keeps them at the top. They they you know they buy low and sell high all the time. They did that in a trade with Chandler Jones. He was entering the last year of his deal instead of signing him to a contract that they I guess they feel he wasn't going to be worthy of. They shipped him to Arizona. What they get in return, they got an interior offensive lineman that was just supposed to be coming into his own. Now they'll probably revitalize his career as a young player, you know, because he's only in his mid 20s. He was just a first round pick, a top 10 pick three years ago in Jonathan Cooper. You know, they were just trying to teach him center. He'll probably play guard for the Patriots. And now he'll be protecting Tom Brady instead of Carson Palmer. But they take away from their defense to add to their offense. I think it was a a good trade for New England if they have a contingency plan on defense. Maybe they're going to go defensive line early. Now, we know the Patriots don't have a first-round pick from Spygate. Yeah. Um, You know, for the second time in, what, eight years, no first-round pick because of a cheating scandal. 
But, and I know that's a hot topic that we're not going to dive much into. Uh, but they made some other moves. I mean, they they lost Akeem Hicks uh, tackle to the Bears, um, uh, Saliga defensive tackle to the Seahawks, uh, defensive back to Von Wilson to the Lions. But I mean, really, guys that were good in New England, but how good, how much talent do they have outside of New England? That's how I look at some of these players. But they I heard they tried tried to trade Rich Mays, but nobody wanted them. <laughs> yeah, the, he he was the last pick in the fan draft. <laughs> Um, but like, just listen to some of these names that they brought in. Chris Long was at one time in 2008 thought to be possibly the number one overall pick by the Dolphins. It wasn't him, but he went to the Rams in the top. I think he might have been the second pick. He's now going to New England on a one-year deal, basically to prove it. Well, you know what happens when people go to New England for one-year prove-it deals? They play they the best. It. Yeah, they yeah. prove it. Now, he may not be back in New England after this year, but if he helps them win another division title, get to another AFC Championship game, mission accomplished. So what a great signing, Chris Long, from the Rams to the Patriots. Uh, they kept Nate Ebner. And here's one, probably fly under the radar, Chris Hogan, wide receiver from the Bills. You know, a good special teams player, sporadic on offense in Buffalo. He'll probably be the go-to fantasy wide receiver in New England now just because that's the way it always happens, right? Now they have Julian Edelman, but there's talk that Danny Amendola may be leaving. What else do they have there? There's always a chance that the Patriots could take someone like Josh Doxson uh, should he fall far in the draft because obviously the Patriots don't have a first-round pick. Um, You know, supplemented in some way, but they're they're losing Brian Timms and Brandon Gibson. They're free agents right now. Um, So Chris Hogan... Paired with Julian Edelman and whatever they else they able to conjure up there, um, you know the, their receivers are sporadic because of their reliance on tight ends in Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett, who we'll get to here in a second. But Chris Hogan is it's just a perfect Patriots sign. Like that's that is what New England does. Took it from a division rival, and now they're going to make him into a star, which I don't mind because he's a Penn Stater. He didn't play Penn State football, but he played at Penn State. He played lacrosse (laughs) and then decided, hey, I'm going to walk on and play some football Um, after his Penn State career was over. um, He played some football, ended up signing on with the Bills, and now he's in New England, and now he'll be a household name within six months, I'm sure. Um, You're playing right there. So, um, not too – I mean, they signed a linebacker from New Orleans and Humber. They also brought in Frank Gers, a defensive lineman from the – the Redskins, uh, one of the other big ones like Chris Long, they brought in Shane McClellan, who was a first-round pick from the Bears a few years ago. He was kind of a tweener. They weren't sure, is he a defensive end, is he a linebacker? And I'm sure he'll end up being a star for New England on defense this year, um, especially after losing all that productivity from Chandler Jones. So they didn't necessarily find a defensive end replacement for Jones, but bringing in Chris Long and Shane McClellan I think should make up for it. Both of those guys are solid, if not spectacular players previously. I'm sure will now be breaking records in New England because that's just the way it, that's the way it that's happens. Why it, it always does. Um, but I, I mentioned Martellus Bennett. He's not on this list because he wasn't a free agent signing. He was another trade that they made. Bennett started his career with the Cowboys. He's actually the guy that I interviewed for one of the draft sites I worked with way back in like 2008 or 2009. Okay. He was a tight end from Texas A&M. His brother's Michael Bennett, who has a big mouth and played in Tampa Bay and is in Seattle. Um, but Martellus is known to speak his mind as well. Um, he went from Dallas. He played a year with the Giants. He'd been in Chicago the last couple of years. Now he's traded in New England. And over the last few years, he scored 15 touchdowns. And this is with the Giants and then the Bears. 
Now, the Giants, he had Eli Manning, but in the Bears, he had Jay Cutler and Jimmy Clonson at times when Cutler was out. Now he goes to New England with Tom Brady. Oh, and he's also not the number one tight end because there's this guy by the name of Rob Gronkowski there. Now, a few years back, the Patriots had Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And you what remember? Him? Yeah, what happened to him? <laughs> then after he went off on his murder spree and got sent to jail, you know, Gronk hasn't tailed off, but their offense hasn't been exactly the same, and they've still been great. They've won a Super Bowl, for gosh sakes. But now having the ability to have Gronkowski on one side, Ben on the other, and still have Edelman and Hogan out wide and whatever else they throw out there, it doesn't matter who plays running back, right? You know, they can do anything with any of the running backs. Their their running game is essentially their short passing game to Edelman and Hogan, right. and then you hit them deep with Gronkowski. Well, now you got Martellus Bennett in the mix. So, once again, Patriots doing it their way and coming out on top. And it's just the way... Yeah, it's just the unfortunate thing as a Dolphins fan that they have to put up with. So as, the sooner that Belichick can get out of there, Brady, of course, signed a two-year deal now, and he's extended through 2019. So he's supposedly staying around another four seasons, including this one coming up. But as soon as Belichick and Brady can leave, and hopefully Kraft will sell the team and get out of there, <laughs> and finally, hopefully, after nearly a quarter of a century, all will be right in the world, and the Patriots will be bottom dwellers. Yeah, that wouldn't that be neat? That, that's like what I dream about every night. <laughs> All right, so I don't that. I mean, that's kind of the overview of some of the bigger free agency moves, and we talked about the teams that we're interested in: Eagles, Cowboys, Dolphins, Patriots. Um, we talked on the Texans and the Broncos too, just because uh, those are some of the bigger the bigger things to address. But I think we should just kind of go over uh, where we think these moves without the draft. Where do we see these teams going? Now, let's start with the AFC East, just because. That's what we're just finishing up talking here with Dolphins and Patriots. New England won it last year, surprise, surprise, at 12-4. and four. The Jets were a little bit of a surprise, finishing at 10-6. and six. Buffalo was 8-8, eight and eight, and Miami, a big disappointment, was 6-10. and 10. I feel like Miami has done very little to change, but I think they underachieved last year. I'm hoping they're better than that, but I don't think they're going to be challenging for a wildcard spot, let alone for the division title. I think Miami's better than 6-10. and 10. The Bills, I think they're right where they were last year. I think they could be anywhere from six to ten wins. So I'm gonna say they're gonna stick around eight. You know, seven to eight is where I'd say at the moment. I think the Jets overachieved last year. They still they don't have a quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick's still floating around out there. You know, unless they're gonna go back to Geno or they were supposedly hot on Robert Griffin. Do any of those things one, is Fitzpatrick gonna do it again? And two, if it's not Fitzpatrick, is Geno or Griffin going to be any better? I, I just... I, I don't see the way it standed, stood last year. The only one that could be jumping, because you know how I feel about Rex Ryan, is the Dolphins could end up third in that division and the uh, Bills in last. But uh, I I think New England, it's New England's to lose. Oh, it's New England. Yeah, I mean, New England, it's New England and everyone else. I just, I think Miami's going to be a little bit better. I think Buffalo will be about the same. I think the Jets drop off. So I think it's going to be New England at like 14 and 2, and then three teams at 7 and 9. Like, I, that's just that yeah. so far. And I know there's, new, there's a new system in Miami. Rex has a, is in his second year with Buffalo. Same thing with Bulls and the Jets. But it's New England and everyone else. AFC North Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, Browns. The Browns are a dumpster fire once again. They're they've earned every much of those two or three wins that they'll get next year. 
The Ravens now coming off a tragedy. They were awful last year. We didn't think they'd be good, but they were downright pitiful at times last year. They signed Flacco to a huge contract. Something tells me they'll be better. I'm not sure why, but I think they'll be better. But they got to make up a full five wins to be challenging for a wild card sure. spot. I don't think that happens, but I think they'll be better. Steelers, I think I think the Steelers, it always comes down to consistency and injuries, injuries with them. But with Le'Veon Bell back, Roethlisberger's got his targets. I think the defense is is getting there. I think the Steelers could be able to unseat the Bengals. Really? Okay. I, and I think the Bengals, are, I think, are still good. Um, I think Andy Dalton doesn't have quite as good a year. That's why I think the Steelers can catch them. But I think both of those are playoff teams. But I would think I could see Steelers winning 11 or 12 and the Bengals being 10 or 11. They're almost flip-flopping. Um, so not too much difference there. What What do you think? You think that's... I, I, I agree You're sticking totally. with the Bengals, uh, though? I still think the Bengals are just a tad step higher than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh always finds a way to find their way in there, normally. Uh, and so I think... Uh, I still think this uh, since I still I still like Cincinnati win that division by possibly a game. All right, we talked a little bit about the South when we went over the Texans free agency stuff, but I do still favor the Texans. I could see the Colts coming back. You know, they were only eight and eight, two two game swing, and they win that division. But I think the Texans are going to be a little bit better. Texans get the ten wins. I think the Colts could be there because Andrew Luck's better than that. He he'll be healthier than that. And they tried to make that splash in free agency last year, bringing in Frank Gore and Andre Johnson, um, a Trent Cole. You know, it didn't pan out. They're giving Pagano another year now, which is interesting because everyone thought he'd be gone. I think the Colts do better, and I think Texans Colts are down to the wire competing. And I think they're going to be right around 10 wins, both of them, but only one's going to make the playoffs. I think whoever doesn't win the division will miss out again. I'll favor the Texans, but I could see it being the Colts. I think the Jaguars are going to be better. I think so, too. Uh, they got five wins this year, or in 2015. I think they could seven or eight wins. And I know that's not great because it won't be playoffs again, but it's still progression. Yep. And if they keep Gus Bradley around, I could see them making an even bigger jump in 2017. Bortles, I think, is the guy there. And we know Chad's going to be there. He signed a two-year extension or re-signed for two years with the Jaguars. He has a lot of great things to say about Gus Bradley and Blake Bortles, who he loves working with. I think we could see Jacksonville climbing up, maybe at times looking like a potential wildcard team. Not quite there yet, mostly, I think, defensively, which may be a bit of a surprise because Gus Bradley is the defensive, a defensive coach. But I think Jacksonville 5-11 and in 2015, I could see them winning 7-8 games in 2016. That leaves the Titans 3-13 and last year, again, with the early pick, the number one pick in the draft. They got Mariota. They got a new coach in Malarkey. A little bit of an interesting scenario there when they kind of didn't interview anyone. They just went with the interim guy. Surprise, Wisenhunt was out as early as he was. I'll say they're a little bit better, but I don't see much. They're definitely the worst team in that. I I don't think so either. He he never should have left Dallas. I think Dallas knew what what was happening there. So is that what you're thinking too? Is that around the same line? So Texans, Colts challenging for the division. Jaguars better. Titans about the same. Then finally, we're in the AFC West. This one could be interesting. This is going to be interesting, I think. I definitely think Denver's taking a step back. You lose Manning and Osweiler. You have some upheaval on the offensive line. I don't think they'll be as good defensively as they were this year. 
I think they drop back to around the nine, ten wins. I think they drop about three wins. And I actually think the Chiefs were crazy this year, winning ten in a row, winning the playoff game. They are they tried to stay in it with New England. They couldn't quite do it. But I think actually Kansas City could take a step back as well. I, I think just say, I, so. Denver's around nine. I think Kansas City's around nine. And I liked Oakland towards the end. Of the I'm year. gonna say Oakland wins a division. That that's me going out on a limb early. I think Derek Carr is progressing. I think that they are starting to get some young guys playing. Khalil Mack is reminding a lot of people of like a Von Miller type in Denver. They've added some pieces in free agency that I think will help them in the long run. And I think uh, Derek Carr, third year as a starter now, he's going to take the next step. I think Oakland, and maybe a weaker division, you know, they're not, they're not all terrible, but there's no like clear-cut favorite. I think Oakland, at around 10 wins, I think they get back into the playoffs for like only the second time in the last 18 years or something like that. I think Oakland maybe surprises in 2016 and wins that division. San Diego, very disappointed in them this past year going 4-12. and I could see them winning a couple more games, but I, I think they're last place in, in the West. Yeah, I I was very disappointed. I I thought the worst they would be is eight and eight, and they really did not do good at all. I was really surprised. All right, NFC. Let's let's go with the East. So we had Redskins nine and seven, Eagles seven and nine, Giants six and ten, Cowboys four and twelve. It was anyone's division almost into December, including the Cowboys, which is crazy with, you know, five weeks to go, the Cowboys could have still done something. They were awful without Romo. They couldn't get anything going. But, you know, quarterback quarterbacks make a huge difference. If Romo stays healthy, Dallas could easily challenge for that division. <sighs> I like their early favorite. I probably have to favor – I hate me to say this, but the Eagles. Yeah, I, I think I would probably favor the Eagles just because – we saw what they were able to do two years ago and three years ago. The first year of Chip Kelly and the second year of Chip Kelly. You know, they're a 10-plus win team. One year winning the division, the other just missing out and missing the playoffs. I think last year was a bit of an aberration. Howie Roseman's made it a fact to change that around. They got a new coach. You usually see a bump in, with the new coach. They had won seven games last year. You know, so they win two or three more, and all of a sudden you, you win that well, division. You figure with Sanchez, when Bradford was out, I mean, you put Bradford in some of those games, they would have won them. So, My favorite Eagles loss last year was to Miami. That was a good one. Um, but I just – I'm not – I look at the point differential, and there's no clear cut. Like the Cowboys were minus 100, but you're missing your quarterback. The Giants were 6-10. and 10, They were only a minus 22. Eagles were 7-9. and nine, They were a minus 53. Statistics and mathematics would say that really the Giants were better than the Eagles. The Redskins were – Barely above 500 points-wise, they are two wins above. So I feel like the Redskins overachieved, yeah. the Giants underachieved, the Cowboys underachieved because they're a quarterback, but I'm here, I'm picking the Eagles. Honestly, I could see this being completely jumbled and different. I could see the Redskins finishing last next year. Exactly right. I, mean, I, I, I don't ride that. I don't think there's momentum there. I, I might just see what the new coach does at New York. Like, McAdoo. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, like, and you know, it's only a quasi change in New York, and we said they made some splashy moves in Vernon and Jenkins on defense. Um, I think it's more competitive, but I really could see the Redskins going from last, from first to worst. I and it, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys go from worst to first. I'm gonna go with the Eagles here early on before the draft and all the summer activities get underway. Um, 
but I really think all four of those teams have an equal equal chance to win and also finish last. Exactly. You're totally right. NFC North. Vikings may be a bit of a surprise. I picked them last year, so I, that was one that I nailed. I'm not going to talk about the ones I didn't nail, but I got the Vikings. Um, I think they're there. I think they're for real. They have Adrian Peterson. They have an improving Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Mike Zimmer's done a fabulous job up there. Um, I think it's them and the Packers again. I don't know. I don't expect much from the Bears, even in year two with John Fox. The Lions, again, I don't. there's not much talent there, and now they lost Calvin Johnson. So I think it's Vikings-Packers, and I, I will stick with the Vikings. I, I think uh, Green Bay has some issues, though, they got to work on. They have some issues, but when you have Aaron Rodgers, unless right. he starts to drop off, you're always going to be in games. And we they proved that to us last year. If they can get their running game down and Eddie Lacy can stick to his P90X training and lose that weight and become focused, you know, I think the, the Packers could probably unseat the Vikings. But I think it's a Vikings-Packers division and the Lions and Bears are has-beens right now. Yeah, you can't, you can't, can't count in those Hail Marys that are constantly no. coming through for Green Bay. So. Now, I had, early in the year, I looked like a genius picking the Falcons in the South because at one time I think they were 5-0 and and 6-2 and and then they faded to 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, the Panthers steamrolled most of the NFL, save for one game against the Falcons. Or I think was that the Bucks? No, it was the Falcons. Uh, and then they looked; they got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. I know it was; it was still wasn't it wasn't a blowout, but they were not; they were off their game completely. The Broncos pushed them around, which they weren't used to. Are the Panthers for real? Is some other team going to jump up there and, and, and grab them and pull them back down? This used to be the division where every year for like six years, the worst team finished first the next year. I think the Bucks will be better despite them surprisingly firing Lovey Smith and moving on from him and promoting offensive coordinator Dirk Cotter. Um, they had something developing with Jameis Winston, and while they were inconsistent, that's what you expect from a rookie quarterback and a team led by that. They brought or they re-signed Doug Martin, so they have some stability there. And like, kind of like in New York and the Giants, where they promoted one from within and kept a lot of coaching staff, they did the same thing with the Bucks. Uh, Cotter is now the head coach. He was the offensive coordinator. Lovey Smith is now the head coach at Illinois. Probably my most disappointing team out of the NFL last year is that conference, and that was New Orleans. I thought they would do a little bit better than what they did. New Orleans, I think, is in cap hell, and I think they got rid of some aging veterans they needed to, but I don't know if they replaced them with enough talent to be anything more than 7-9. and nine. I could see the Saints finishing last this year and the end of Drew Brees and Sean Payton coming very soon. Um, I feel like this is a, a win-or-go-home year for the Falcons and Matt Ryan, too. I, I just... You know, they had something going last year, and then they just fell off completely. Um, so I, I'm going to give it to the Panthers again for what? That would be the fourth straight year they win that division, which is crazy to think of. But Ron Rivera's done a great job there. Cam Newton really played his butt off last year, uh, save for the, the Super Bowl, which obviously isn't completely his fault. Um, Cam Newton was just electric last season. Obviously, I don't think they go 15-1, and one, but who do you see anyone there really challenging them? Not, not, not right now. So I'd say Panthers, Falcons, Bucks, Saints would be the way I'd go. All right, last is the NFC West. Um, two of the better teams uh, in the Cardinals and Seahawks. I uh, was really pulling for uh, the Cardinals um, most of the season because they're a team that, despite making the Super Bowl a few years ago, um, really hasn't done much in their history, and the Seahawks have been there a bunch. Uh, then you have the new L.A. Rams, followed by the 49ers. Chip Kelly out in San Francisco, will he do what he did 
to the Eagles the first year where he brought them from a laughing stock and you know four, five, six wins to nine, ten, eleven wins. Could happen. Unsettled quarterback situation. Is Colin Kaepernick gonna be the guy? Is it gonna be someone else? Will they go with Blaine Gabbert? LA Rams. Is this a make or break year for Jeff Fisher? I don't know he's been there a few years say, and they it, haven't really it, made much progress. They haven't done much. So they they're always supposed to have this great defense and that just doesn't bail them out. Last year it looked promising they beat the Seahawks, but you know, they finished seven and nine. They didn't even get to five hundred again. Uh Seahawks. You still got Russell Wilson. You have Jimmy Graham coming back from injury. You didn't have Marshawn Lynch most of the year, and now he's supposedly retired, but Thomas Rawls filled in incredibly for him. They seem to have uh, the no-name receivers down. They do great with that, and that defense is still devastating. I think they'll be good. They were 10-6 last year. I could see them around that again. The big question is, what are the Cardinals going to do? Is Carson Palmer going to lose one of his wheels? Is he going to start to fade as he advances to age? Are the upgrades they've made, primarily bringing in Chandler Jones from the Patriots, are they going to be able to win 13 games again? I mean, Carson Palmer was one of the best offensive players in the league last year. But can they duplicate it? Yeah, That's my he, question. Right, can they can do it again? They brought back Chris Johnson. They have that great uh, rookie running back who I believe you added in fantasy, and he went off against the Eagles and then looked incredible at the end of the season, splitting time with Chris Johnson. Can they do it again? I'm going to say no. I think they'll still be good. But I think the Seahawks will win that division and Arizona will charge for a wild card. So I'd probably go Seahawks, Cardinals, 49ers, Rams. Oh, really? You're I think so. Well, they're starting quarterback. They won't even commit to Nick Foles. And they basically said it could be Case Keenum's job to lose, who's bounced around like three other NFL teams. When you're when you don't have a starting quarterback, quarterback. or that group is that, you know, is a bunch of backups at best. And you're losing defensive players like Chris Long, Joe Norris Jenkins. I just don't see how this Rams can maintain, especially now moving from St. Louis to L.A. You know, and, and hate on Chip Kelly as much as you want. The first year he took the Eagles from what four and twelve to ten and six. Right. If the Forty ers can add three, four wins, you're at eight, nine. I just don't see the Rams getting there. So I think Seahawks, Cardinals, Forty ers Rams. That's where I'm going. You think Fisher loses his job? I think he does. So. Anything else to say on this show from you? I don't believe it. We talked a lot of football for the last hours, a lot of fun talking our favorite sport. Um, like I said, next week, no show because of Easter. We'll be back the following week with our full baseball preview. When this show ends in two weeks, the first official baseball game will be getting underway. At least uh, the way the Phillies have been playing preseason. They look it good. just a little bit of optimism. Yeah, they do look good. So we'll see what happens with them there. Um, before we go, I do want to say a happy birthday to our music producer, Greg Hill, and also congratulations on the birth of his second child. They had a baby girl, Charlotte, last Monday, which I knew there was something Justin and I forgot at the end of the last show was to wish them good luck uh, on Monday. But here we are congratulating them on a on a healthy baby girl. So congratulations to Greg and Laura, and also happy birthday to Greg. Anything anything you want to say about the show or, or anyone or anything? I can think of off the top of my head. Go oh. Natalie. <laughs> yeah, wait, well, let's go Wisconsin. Bob doesn't have a shot, so I want Natalie to win. Okay, well, I think that's it. Then uh, thanks for joining Penn State us. Wrestling? Uh, oh, yeah, congratulations to Penn State Wrestling. Fifth national championship in six seasons. Really disappointed they lost to Ohio State last year, but now they won their, their fifth and sixth season. Kyle Sanderson is just an incredible coach and what he's done to revitalize that 
Penn State program um, is just incredible. So congratulations to Penn State Wrestling. And I think that's it. So thanks for joining us. This wraps up the 203rd episode of the Joe Mays and JRAF show. You can listen to us probably every Sunday, except next week, uh, on jmnjrradio.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can visit the show at jmnjr.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks to talk baseball. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and JRAF show. Don't forget, you can download each episode of the show from the podcast section of the iTunes store. We'll see you next time, and thanks again for listening.